Hello, and welcome to Paradox, untold stories from athletic directors with Dr. Danielle LaPointe and Dr. Dustin Smith. We have some crazy and unique stories for you, which are made possible by our sponsor, Wall of Fame. At the Wall of Fame, our mission is to bring your school's legacy to life. We transform school tributes to make it easier than ever to celebrate your whole community, showcasing your school's diverse history, proudest moments, and top role models. We understand that the true value of our Wall of Fame is in your content. Whether you are starting a new tribute or adding to an existing one, we give you all the resources you need to build an interactive experience and take your content to the next level. Speaking of next level, let's check in to see what Danielle and Dustin have for us today. Welcome everyone to Paradox Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. We are back today with a very exciting episode for a couple of reasons. Um, This is going to be a first for Paradox. We have an international athletic director with us today. Um, His name is Jason Montgomery. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing good. How are you guys? We are in the morning. As you can tell by your screen, you are not. You're in the (laughs) evening. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, How about you, Dustin? How are you doing today over there in Oklahoma? Man, I'm awesome. I don't have near the view that Jason's got, but man, mm-hmm. I just lived the dream over here in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, just trying to be, just trying to make things happen here and try to be as cool as Jason with that view. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> when we signed on, I was like, mm. <laughs> look at that. It's a gorgeous view if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, but Jason, uh, I know him very well. He's a, He's a good friend of mine. We worked together. He was actually uh, my county athletic director for years before he became international. Um, And now he is located in Qatar, which I'm sure we're going to have tons and tons of questions to ask you, Jason. So he has a very unique perspective on being an athletic director and one I'm really excited to kind of dive into. For sure. So what, uh, you have any words of wisdom? How you, how's it doing over there in Qatar? This is what you've been there for three years now, right? Two years. Two years. Okay, two years. Two years. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice right now. It's like Florida weather right now. Now come mm. about two months from now, it'll be a different story. Hotter. Oh yeah, yeah. We <laughs> talked. We had a day. We had a day last summer. Uh, air temperature was in the one thirties. That's hot. You notice how he didn't hesitate when you said hotter, and he said, "Oh yeah." I mean, there was <laughs> no hesitation. He just knew right away that it was going to be uh. A little warm. I'd, I'd been in I'd been in Florida ten years before I came over here, and I was cocky, arrogant that I thought I knew heat. I'm like, oh, <laughs> South Florida, it's a piece of cake. Nah, it's next level, next level summers here. It is dry heat, right? No, or is it humid? Oh, it's not. Yeah we're, yeah, we're we're a little peninsula that juts out into the uh, into the middle of the um, Persian Gulf, so we're surrounded by water on three sides. So it's it's humid too. Steamy, they call it in Oklahoma. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, I definitely um, want to dive into your location a little bit more, and also your journey. How um, you, you know, landed this awesome gig that you have going on because you have preached. I've heard you say for years now how much you enjoy it, right, and how awesome it is. So it would be really cool to kind of get that information out to a lot of our listeners about you know the process you went through and um, how that looked for you because. I think it's really cool what you're doing and you're getting to see a whole nother side of how um, athletics works across, across the world, which is so awesome. We usually say across the country, 
Um, but now we're, we're talking about worlds. So it, it's really cool. So um, dive into that a little bit for us about how you got into wanting to do this and how you did it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, my background prior to even before we met, uh, I've been a college basketball coach, a couple different spots along the way, um, and gotten into administration been two times in Florida at schools, um, everything up to assistant principal and all that. And then, uh, we got kids, we had kids when we were young, so they were finally out of the picture. We thought kids just keep coming back. If you're, uh, you have lots to look forward to, Danielle. Um, that college degree came back. Go to the army, came back. But uh, we finally, we finally got them out, and uh, we wanted to do the. We talked about wanting to do international stuff for a while, and pandemic hit, and there was no movement internationally. Um, and then two years ago, we started applying for stuff, and um, um, literally, it, it was crazy. I, I joke with people. It's like. It's like trying to get a credit score, right? It's like I was a finalist for like four or five jobs. And every time they come back, like, you just had international experience. And I'm like, well, I can't get international experience to one of y'all hires me. Uh, <laughs> and this was literally the last job I was going to try for two years ago in interview forecast. It was kind of getting late in the in the year. And I uh, got offered this gig, um, came over here. I can't say enough good things about doing the international thing. I mean, I, I think especially young teachers coaches administrators that it's something that's very rarely on the radar and it's just uh it's been such a cool experience i mean it's uh you know we've traveled to i think 13 different countries now in the last 18 months you know since we've been over here um because it's just so much easier to travel when you're on you know i have all of you know within five hours i can get to about anywhere in central europe most of africa all of india and a little bit of Southeast Asia. So, you know, it really opens up the swath of being able to do some stuff. And so that's where we've been. And it's, uh, it's been interesting. Guitar has challenges that, you know, are very different than an international job in say Germany or, or France would have. Um, so, you know, I've been trying to navigate those things. It's been a good experience though. I mean, I can't say enough good things about it. Well, Jason, just for those listeners that maybe, you know, maybe don't even understand um, that process to try to become an international AD. Can you talk about, I mean, you mentioned the, the interviews and the people said, Hey, you had to have international experience. And now the NIAAA has got all these international courses and trying to get an international certifications. Um, not trying yep. to get, they've got international certifications, but what was that process like for you to be able to even put that on the radar? I mean, for some people, Florida would be international. Um, you know, that they're in the States, uh, but how is that, that you're going to broaden that to get outside of the continental United States? What, what was that process or that thought process for you? No, I mean, the, the job is essentially the same. The challenges are just really different. Um, the structures are a little bit different and, and you have different types of schools, like your British schools approach sport totally different than your American international schools do. Um, so that, that kind of plays into to what the job looks like and, and how it goes. There's a couple couple of uh, websites out there. A big one is called Search Associates, where most of the international schools will post their jobs. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a paid service, but it's a really good service. It's where I got this gig from, and, uh, and I've been a part of some of their other stuff with it. Um, so that's a good starting point. Uh, another one is called test.com. Um, that has a huge database of jobs that are out there. 
Um, and it varies widely. You know, mine is, mine is, I'm over, I'm over athletics and we do everything from lower school all the way up through middle high school. I'm over uh, our after school activities program. So like this term, we're running 40 some different after school programs um, that first hour after school. I'm also in charge of all our facility rental and uh, the contracts that go with that and dealing with the vendors and all that type of stuff. So it's really, you know, you go from that model to some other schools, particularly in the British model would be like, you'd still teach PE, you'd be head of the PE department and then head of sport and would coordinate setting up, you know, fixtures. But they also don't play the as big of a schedule as as you see in the states, in particular. You know, um, my my basketball team's played about fifteen games this year total. So it's a little well, different setup. Well, and you also do fly kids places sometimes, like to play games. Yeah, we volleyball played in Bahrain. <clears throat> There's two international conferences here, and we're trying to set ourselves up to get into one of them. And um, they're located in the UAE, Jordan, um, Lebanon, so surrounding Gulf areas. The other one that the American school in our, our area is, includes Oman and India uh, and Pakistan, some of the schools are in their league. So, I mean, you consider like transportation issues and then you have like Jason's transportation issues. It's like a whole nother well, the, the, level. The transportation, the transportation is the easy part. The visas are the tough part. Cause I've got kids from 70 different countries. And uh, like when we took the kids to Bahrain, um, Jordanian visa is extremely difficult or excuse me, not Jordan, uh, Lebanon is a tough visa to travel on. And we actually had to get the, uh, the embassy in Bahrain, to help us out to get three of our kids a, a visa to be able to go there. So if you have kids from countries, you know, I've got kids that are Somalian, you know, and places like that, and you just can't travel on those visas. So it makes it a real challenge in trying to get all so that not, coordinated. So, so that's a whole nother perspective, right? So now the kids that are at your school aren't necessarily from Qatar or that area. They're from a whole bunch of different areas as well. So now you have, oh, how far in advance do you have to start working on getting kids visas to travel well, see, and this, this is a unique Qatar problem so um, we have to do everything through the Ministry of Education and the Ministry of Education wants to know every kid that's going wants to know what flights were taken where we're staying itinerary all that so I have to basically try to put everything together on the front end before I can get ministry approval to then turn around buy the tickets book the hotels get the visas so it's you know I think with Bahrain it was about a three week process um, from the time we locked it in and tried to get everything done and approved and we got those last three visas two days before our flight. Uh, I, I want to go back to something you said, Jason, earlier. I mean, saying that you were a college basketball coach uh, in several spots, but you just uh, kind of glazed past that your basketball team played fifteen games. What basketball coach thinks that's a great idea or wants to play just 15 games? Um, you, you've got to think coaches not only getting students or the, the process to get students their visas, but how do you get coaches to want to subscribe or want to participate and coach um, at a school like yours when you may only play 15 games? Believe it or not, that's more than a lot of the schools in Qatar play. I, was say, I, I remember called, talking to you and that's like the norm there, right? Like that's not, yeah, we, we had a local, we have a local league called quest 
that does like U19, U16, that type of tournaments for middle high school. And it's absolutely horrible. It would be, we go to these things and you'll play six games in a day, but they're eight minute, you know, eight minute halves running clock. So you're getting nothing out of it. It's almost like a jamboree type of format. And so I got together with um, the American school and uh, another school, Qatar Academy, Doha. They're our robust athletic schools. And we got three other schools with them. We formed a conference this year. And so we played like an actual regular season schedule, which we're the only ones that league's the only one in Qatar that does that. And so that's how we got the games we got outside of our, our little league because, it, and it is that. And part of what we did is we rewrote our job description for our PE people and put in a coaching component, um, bumped our stipend up a little bit that we do for it. And I, I've got a great coaching staff. I mean, my, my boys basketball coach, uh, played professionally in Azerbaijan. My girls' basketball coach uh, played on the Serbian national team. So I mean, I've got I've got quality coaches, um, but it's just a different shift. I mean, it's it's in international schools like the British model. They'll practice maybe once or twice a week for an hour. You know, they're not putting in the time where you know we were you know four or five days a week. More of an American model. I was I was going to say that's a what I was going to highlight is I feel like the way Dustin and I think. You know, and over the last, you know, couple of years of I've been talking to you, like my mind frame has definitely shift, shifted a little bit. But like we have this American version of what sports look like in high school. And that does not at all relate to like kind of what you're what you're doing over there, what other international yeah. um, schools are doing. And I just think that's super fascinating that like they're they're just different. I mean, you pointed that out immediately and it's, you know, normal over yeah, there. I mean, so we, I just we, think. Mm-hmm. We get out of school at 2.30. We play our games at 3. Usually a boy-girl doubleheader, so we're done by 6, you know. And um, uh, we we work a Muslim work week here, so it's Sunday through Thursday. So uh, on Thursdays, which is basically like Friday in the States, we hardly ever schedule anything on those days. Yeah. Because so. people travel and go home or whatever? Well, it's just, it, I, th- I think the, the respect of a work-life balance is a little bit better internationally than it is in the states you know we're used to being as ad's of being there 80 90 hours a week and you know on a friday night in football season getting out of there at midnight and um, that's just not the mentality in the rest of the world you know um and it's viewed more because you have like even here you have clubs like out in the community that are uh supposedly the elite athletes play in these clubs and they're getting a bunch of games with that things like that um so that's kind of, and especially in Europe, you see that. That's where, you know, kids really learn to, you know, they don't represent their school as much. Like if you look at uh, when you recruit international kids for sport in the U.S., which is happening more and more. Um, you know, when I was at Florida Southern, we had seven international kids on the roster. And um, you, they're all recruited out of the club they played for. They weren't recruited out of their high school. So, Jason, let me ask you this question. As you as you sit over there in Qatar and you you deal with different sports, um, you know, obviously in the United States, football is a big deal, but Qatar football may not be a huge deal. So, um, are there unique sports that you offer there that maybe we don't have here in the States? Oh, football's huge here, but it's not the football that, that you're right. talking about. Right. <laughs> it's, it's what the rest of the world calls football. Um, that's by far the biggest thing. I mean, we just, we have, you know, world cup was here and we just finished up. This last week, we hosted the Asia Cup. So, 
for all of Asia, basically, you know, qualifier for World Cup. World Cup was a perfect example. That was awesome. You shut down the whole like town, schools, everything for like a month for the World Cup, right? Yeah, we had we had six weeks off for school right in the middle of the year because they they didn't want the school traffic uh, impeding with fan flow and all that type of stuff. So. We went My to boy. Africa and went to uh, <laughs> we were traveling all over the place. Um, but to the, the earlier question, I mean, I, we're we're pretty traditional um, with the sports we offer. Like we offer boys and girls volleyball, boys and girls soccer, boys and girls basketball, um, boys and girls badminton, boys and girls swim. We do have netball, which is a British sport, which I absolutely abuse our our, our netball coach because it's like I, I tell her it's for kids that can't play basketball. I don't know if you've ever watched it. It's the the hoop without a backboard. And like, if you get within a certain area, you can shoot, but you can't block shots and you can't dribble. It's just weird. Um, <laughs> but we, we play that. But other than that, I mean, it's a, uh, everything's pretty standard as far as, as normal sports. Now there's some stuff in PE that, that gets taught. That's, uh, you know, rounders and some things like that. They're more British sports, but. So what I always like to ask our guests, and I don't want to exclude you on this question, but. What does the resume not tell us about who Jason Montgomery is? We've talked about your coaching background. We've talked about going international. I guess my question is, what do you like to do outside of being AD? And you talk about the work-life balance that maybe is a better approach internationally than it is here in the States. What do you like to do outside of being an athletic administrator? My wife, We love to travel. My wife works remote uh, in the States, so it makes it a little bit flexible. It's like... Uh, and that's the nice thing, too, is our, our year is broken up where every six weeks or so we get a break of some sort, usually a week or so. Um, and so we, we try to travel. And like I said, we've been to, I think it's 13 or 14 different countries in the last 18 months, um, everywhere from Iceland to the Maldives. So we've gone hot and cold and everything. Um, and then when I'm in the States, because uh, I don't have the opportunity to do it here, I, right before I got this job, I finished up my private pilot's license. So if I get a chance, you know, when we go back to the States, I try to fly and, and do that when I can to try to just get some time in. So so you talk about elite level hot um, and you've done cold and elite level hot. What's, what's your preference? Obviously, in guitar, you just got to wear it. Um, you just got to be there for those the hot, hot, hot times. But do you like the Icelands? Do you like that um, colder climate or do you really prefer the hot? Uh, I think it depends. I mean, I, I could move to Iceland today. Iceland's the most, one of the most incredible countries I've ever seen. And, and if everybody gets a chance to go, they got to go. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, but it's, it's cold, cold, you know, and you got snow everywhere. The, the miserable cold for me was like growing up in Kentucky when it would be, you know, snow one day and then it melts and you got mud the next day and it's just miserable. And, you know, there's no, no, uh, leaves on trees and anything like that so um but i think i think i prefer the heat that's why we we, you know, we enjoyed our time in florida um and qatar does a great job managing it i mean we we literally have some streets like the sidewalks have vents in the sidewalks that cold air comes out of during the hottest part of the summer the air so, condition outside yep when you got more money than you know what to do with, you can do stuff like that. Right. <laughs> wow. Wow. I just think the, your whole story is, is absolutely fascinating. And I love that you are living it up by traveling to all of these cool places. Like, I want you to know that sometimes I, I like 
woken up because the times are so different. I've woken up to messages of like Jason eating breakfast with a giraffe, like no joke, like literally. Eating. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing over there? So I just think that is so cool that you're not only like advancing your career and seeing completely different perspectives of things, but also taking that time to travel. Um, I think it's an awesome thing. I really do. That's uh, it's been huge for us because I think it's a you know it's a perspective changer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just it's total. It's some of the things that either you take for granted in the U.S. isn't that way, or things that you assume just should be a certain way aren't in other parts of the world. And it's uh, you know, and good and bad. I mean, there's yeah. there's things that the U.S. could definitely improve on, and there's things that um you know, the rest of the world can learn too. So it's a, it's a perspective changer. Um, the other part that I think is really interesting and correct me if I'm wrong on this, cause I'm just, you know, re-saying what you've told me, Jason is like the job contracts are different over there, Dustin. It's like two and three year contracts, right. Or something along those lines. So, you know, like a set amount of time you're going to be in this country for, and then you can choose to stay or go to another one. So I just think that's kind of interesting. Whereas here, you know, everything's, kind of annual, but you, you know, people stay there. It's very set. You, you're signing a contract for a set amount of time, two, three years, and then you kind of can hop around to different parts of the world. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, and it's not, if you've bounced around, it's not looked at as a bad thing. It's just part of working at international schools, you know, where in the U S they, they look at that and go, Oh, well, only two years there and only three years there. And mm-hmm. you know, why are you bouncing around? So it's not it's not a bad thing. My contract here was two years, and uh, I'm actually leaving Doha at the end of this contract in June. Uh, don't know where I'll be yet, but the, and that's something too for anybody that's looking. the The timeline is a little different. They've already hired my replacement, so I've already been talking to the guy that's coming in next year, uh, trying to do a little bit of a handover so that you know we can try to take care of our kids a little bit. But um, but I'm, you know, I'm talking to a I've got an interview with a school in Germany coming up, and so I don't know, you know, we'll end up somewhere. So, so it's let me ask you about the LTC classes that are specifically international based. I've taken one of them, and I'm just fascinated by the challenges that that are there compared to what we have in the United States, from travel to competitions to, as we mentioned earlier, just number of games and. Uh, just a complete shift from what United States mentality would be as far as practices and games. Um, do you do you enjoy those courses? Are those courses spot on? Have you taken any of those courses? I haven't. I haven't taken them, but I'm um, real good friends with uh, Dan Talbot down in Florida. That that is a big wig in that, and he sent me the course and the like the content from them. So I've read through the content, um, and I think there's a lot of good stuff in it. But I also think, you know, one of the things with international is very much where you're at shapes what challenges you face. Because it's right. like, like here, um, quality uniforms was a challenge. You know, so we ended up bringing some stuff in from the States, but it took me almost the entire year last year to get my stuff in. Um, Why? You know, and get in. Combination of, of you're dealing with people that aren't used to dealing with international schools. So there was, there was issues on shipping. There was issues on, you know, of course there was all full custom. And then where we still had a little bit of a backlog from, uh, you know, post pandemic, uh, 
So it was, you know, it's just stuff like that. It's like even, you know, we had a, I had a school store, online school store at our place in Miami. And sometimes that's a challenge because there's stuff coming into Qatar. I never know. Sometimes it comes in and I don't have to pay anything. Sometimes it gets held up in customs and I've got to, it ends up being more than we thought it was going to be. I mean, it's just, there's some randomness that, you know, being in a small country that's, you know, run a certain way. World Cup helped because they had to they had to adapt a little bit but uh I still find it fascinating that you the whole school shut down for six weeks I just and I mean and you have you know it's it's different places like when we one of the schools that we play when we try to do the international stuff is uh the American school in Riyadh Saudi Arabia and um they literally to play in international tournaments have to go out of Saudi Arabia because Saudi Arabia won't let anybody under 18 travel into the country without an adult without their parent. So they can't host any of their international events. So they have to travel outside the country for every one of their, uh, any type of international competition they want to have. So, I mean, it's just different places, different, different challenges. Well, just think about that. You said quality uniforms. Um, you know, here there's so many sporting goods salesmen that want to, want to beat your door (laughs) down all the time. Um, and stuff that we just take for granted that maybe you don't get to take for granted over there. Yeah, it's um, it we haven't beaten my door down here too, but it's the the local quality is just not what it what it is. You know, if we can get, and it's funny, you can go to to any mall here and you can buy Under Armour, Nike, whatever you want, but getting the actual, you know, team apparel and getting stuff custom is a real challenge. Hmm. All the things you wouldn't think of, right? And then. I don't know. I find I have I could sit here and ask questions all day because I just find this to be fascinating. But I also want to give Jason the opportunity to tell us a story if he's got any any crazy stories that he wants to share with us, whether they happened here in the U.S. or over in Qatar. Even though I'm hoping that they were in Qatar because that's still fascinating to me. But um, but yeah. So do you have any do you have any you know crazy stories you want to share with us? You know, I was, I was thinking about this when we talked about it the other day, and uh, I, I think, and that's the thing is, I've run the gamut. I've been at, I've been in great situations, and I've been in those places where you're, you know, don't have everything that you want, you know, and you're begging and trying to get by. And probably the worst one of those I had was uh, St. Catherine College in Kentucky back early on in my career. Um, at, at any, at one point there, I was the women's basketball coach softball coach and athletic director all at the same time. Um, and we were uh, in JCA, you know, JUCO, um, played in a conference in Tennessee, but it was a private school. So I kid you not, I would have to go down during dead balls and jiggle the cord on the on the shot clocks that were on the floor to make them come back on because somebody had bumped them walking by. It's that kind of an operation, right? Uh, <laughs> changing, changing lights in the gym, painting it in the summer. I've been there. So, yeah, it's a – so probably the craziest thing that I was a part of there, we were playing basketball doubleheader uh, against Jackson State out of Tennessee. And Jackson State was one of the – they had literally had a guy on their roster that had just got out of prison. I kid you not. They signed him straight out of – you know, walks out of prison, sign your letter of intent, here you go. So they come to our place. uh, What was he in prison for? 
I don't remember, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay, okay. Did they, did I just, they, no, they, were, they were like, he walked in. He was a big boy. They walked in, and they are like, that's the dude, man. That's the one right there. <laughs> yeah. 24, just got parole. And uh, and they got, you know, and so the setup of the gym was you had a stage down on the far end of the gym, like, you know, so many old gyms used to have. The baseball team would always set up on the stage. And uh, women's game went fine. Get down with the women's game. Um, I did color on the radio for the uh, uh, men's game, for the radio, for the broadcast for the men's. And my assistant coach kept the book. So she was sitting down in front of me. I was like on the row behind her. And we're we're about two or three technicals into this thing, and it's starting to get really chippy. And, uh, <laughs> and I looked at her, and I said, uh, I said, you might want to keep in mind, low-budget operation. We got no security. There's nobody there. We're it. <laughs> You're the security. <laughs> yep. And I told her, uh, her name was Lena. I said, Lena, you, uh, I said, let somebody else get the book for a minute. You need to go call the cops. Get somebody here so because this, this might get out of hand. It wasn't two minutes later after she'd left. Kid gets kid gets two texts, gets tossed for Jackson State. And the way the setup was, the gym had that stage. There were stairwells beside it that went downstairs sorry, to where the locker rooms were. Baseball team's wearing this kid out. He goes out like he's going to the locker room. But instead of going to the locker room, he goes up on the stage mm-hmm. and spits on one of the baseball players. Next thing you know, it goes absolutely nuts. I've got... Um, I took a, a folded metal chair away from one of the players. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> they smashed up. They smashed up like they destroyed the locker room. They destroyed. There was a uh, like a series of trophy cases. They smashed all those away. We had like the state police there, the local police there to get everything under control. Broke up. And the way, my favorite part, and I mean, this was a circus. We're trying to get we're trying to get Jackson State on the bus. Police are all out there. And, and this is Springfield, Kentucky, which is tiny, tiny. Like if you got pizza delivered, they didn't even come all the way into town. You had to meet them at like the dollar store parking lot <laughs> and get pizza from the neighboring town. That's, that's the kind of town we're talking about. Next thing you know, these kids, these local kids, that you know, there was a decent little crowd at the game. These local kids are driving through the parking lot and they're like, West Side, West Side. And I'm like, West Side of what? I mean, it's the one thing that was just like stuck out. The like, dollar like, store. I'm like, the... I'm like, we got one stoplight. I'm like, you know, you're more likely to have a drive-by, you know, hay baling incident than you are any kind of a, a thing, you know. It's, I mean, you, you can relate, Coach, being out in some of the rural parts of Oklahoma the same way. No question. But this place, that that was one of the craziest nights of my life. I thought we were going to all die right there. What did you do though? Like it's all breaking up and going crazy. Like what? What did you actually do? Were you like in the thick of it? Or yeah, I took I took a full melt chair away from one kid. He was like cocked back like this, and I went up behind him and grabbed it, took it away from him. That was back when I was young and dumb. I wouldn't have done that now. Now the but. the thing you said is you were the girls' basketball coach, the softball coach, and the athletic director, but you were also the color commentator for the boys' game. <laughs> And, and the light bulb changer. And, right. And, <laughs> so I, I spent some time at the JUCO days, and I know what those, you know, some of those schools and those operations are like. And I wonder, um, when you introduce the young man who just got out of the pen, did you say straight out of 
whatever penitentiary he was in. Or... <laughs> no, I don't think we brought that one up on the. I don't think we brought that one up on the on the broadcast. But yeah. it's a. Uh, it's some crazy places, man. I, I JUCO was an experience. We uh, we actually had one in Oklahoma. We we qualified for regional softball and had to go to Tishmingo, Oklahoma. I've been there. And uh, State College. Yep. And we had the most ghetto bus you've ever seen in your life. And our assistant baseball coach drove us out there. And um, our brakes got so bad at one point, we had to go on exit ramps that had, that had like a little incline to them so we could slow down enough that the brakes would work. <laughs> to get out to Oklahoma. So probably, probably wasn't as bad as, as the story Danielle was talking about with the, you know, putting wrestlers in the back of a U-Haul, but it was, it was pretty, pretty close. But I mean that—that's the mentality. I mean, some of those JUCOs they just don't have funding, um, and their yeah, model I mean, is to a point where you're trying to just hire one person to do multiple jobs just so you can have school. Yeah, and I mean that bus was a prime example. That was a—that was bought. It was a piece of crap when they bought it, and um, they bought it because they didn't want to do charters. They could save money by having one of the coaches drive it, pay him a little bit of extra, and yeah. Get us all killed in a crazy accident in Oklahoma. Yeah, with no brakes. <laughs> Man, I wish there was. I'm, I'm sure there wasn't. I, back with no brakes. I wish there. I'm sure there wasn't. Um, but there probably wasn't any um, cameras in the gym during this. The scrawl was there. No, I don't think so. Mm. And if they are, statues of limitations have passed, so he's probably not <laughs> obliged to keep those. What? It it could have been a lot worse than it was. I mean, they they destroyed a bunch of stuff, but it you know it wasn't. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got yeah. You know, we we coaches on both sides. I think did a pretty good job of trying to keep get kids apart once it started. Uh, baseball team was the root of that problem in our in our place, which is common among junior colleges. If we're going to be honest, but um, the the, yeah. the best part that that I heard was you said you told your assistant. While you're on the air, you had to just tell her, hey, go call the cops. Have somebody else do the books yeah. so you can call the cops. Yeah. Send somebody outside. That's a fact. And I, I forget what they did for security after that. I think they, they hired like one old guy that wore like a little jacket that said security, and he just stood at the end of the gym for the rest of the year. But, you know, was going to be no, going to be, you know, going to be no help if anything went sideways, but. Well, just think about that thought process, though, for you, Jason, to say, hey, I'm going to get her out of harm's way uh, because this could get this could get real crazy. And it's a way that and maybe you didn't have any other option, but it looked to me like, hey, you got this was your best option, but you're also not sure how this thing's going to transpire. But it gets her out of harm's way, too. Yeah, I feel I mean, like you're giving uh, Jason too much credit on that one. He was like, go call the cops. <laughs> he didn't think about that. He was right there. <laughs> he was my assistant. Um, then get back in here and help me break this up. <laughs> she would have too, man. She's hardcore. She's actually a high school principal now. So it gives you an idea. <laughs> yeah. But that's why that's exactly why we created this podcast. Because they don't teach you when you're in school, um, you know, this is what you have to do, you know, when things are getting, you know, dicey and you're the only one there, like, what do you do, right? This is the stuff you kind of learn on the fly and gain confidence. So we kind of like to share these stories so people can become prepared when they actually happen to them. Because that's yeah, not, I think that, not a good time. You know, it, it's one of those things that 
you'll never you'll never fail to be amazed at what somebody will do. And there's always another story, and there's always and when you're places like like St. Catherine was for me, um, you you see some crazy stuff because it's just it's a different level and it's a different you know the lack of resources, you know. Yeah. And some some of those schools at that level too, they'll recruit a different kind of kid. You know, they they don't because it's JUCO. They're just trying. They're just trying to win. I mean, look at look at all the Netflix shows you can watch on JUCO sports right now. Right? Well, I think the crazy thing is, I mean, Jason, your life to me has all seems to be about taking stuff to the next level. Um, whether that's heat, whether that's the, the the JUCO level, and just saying, okay. Now, my thought process, looking back on it now, did you have an eye on the gentleman who had just gotten out of prison during this? This, Yeah, I mean, you, you were aware because, I mean, you, you figure a guy that's been through all that. But, you know, it's, you know, I don't know if you know, it, Jackson, Tennessee is very close to the Memphis area anyway. So you're dealing with a, you know, they were recruiting a lot of Memphis kids that were coming out of inner city Memphis. So they, they had kids that had some street smarts and, you know, they've been through, yeah, they've been through a lot already. So, uh, and we had a few of those too, but they were, you know, they weren't Memphis kids, but, and, uh, that's, that's the dynamic. I think that was going through my head when all that was talked about is we had kids that, that I knew would fight if the, you know, situation reached that. So it's trying to get, you know, you know, get a situation there under control before it got completely out of control. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, thank God cops got there when they did. If we, if we hadn't made that phone call two, three minutes earlier, we would have, uh, it could have potentially gotten real bad. Well, you, you mentioned small towns and usually junior colleges are in smaller towns, um, which makes it funny to me that they said West side, because like in Tishomingo, <laughs> West side is also East side, North side and South yep. side. It's all the same spot. Uh, yep. But just their confidence is so much different, I guess, in that in that rural that rural area. But um, just a point of, uh, I guess, just a culture, Danielle, a little bit. Do you know what's significant about Tishomingo, Oklahoma, now? No, we don't. What? Everything was going well, and then you just <laughs> have to come at me for no reason. I didn't even bring up that you live in like. Arkansas, like in the middle of nowhere, these small towns, you know what's going on. I know you do. Yeah, but I'm just saying Tishomingo is the home of Blake Shelton. Do you know who Blake Shelton is? <laughs> yes, I know who Blake Shelton is. <laughs> okay, do I know I mean, where he was born? No. He's not I born don't. there. He just lives there. He was born in Ada, Oklahoma, but he lives in Tishomingo. No, I don't know any of these things. Which actually correlates to Jason's story because he went to Tishomingo, Oklahoma. So it ties all in. Wow, how your brain works. Special. Educational podcast. We're trying to make sure. Oh, yeah. my God. You know what genre Blake sings? Yeah, he's country. I got you on that one. Okay. <laughs> same, as, same as some guy named Charlie Pride, right? Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. There uh, it like is. Got it in there. Got it in there. Another little tidbit. Do you know who he's married to? Actually, I, I think I do. But I don't like this game. I want this game to end. I don't like. I don't do music or movies. I've been very clear that's not my area that I have paid any attention to. But I think it's Gwen Stefani, right now. Yeah, she is mm-hmm. not a country artist, but yeah. Anyway, this story isn't about making, or this episode's <laughs> not about making fun of Danielle. 
<laughs> All of the episodes are about making fun of Danielle. <laughs> Such an easy target. <laughs> but so Jason, I, over since you've been an international AD, you you talked about some of the challenges. Um, you know, in the states, we deal with parents um, and some of the issues that we deal around parents. Do you have issues with parents? Do you see them to the extreme? If you do, do you see them to the extreme that we see them in the United States? What a good question. Where I'm at, uh, I have not. I mean, they're not, it's not, again, um, we're an IB school, so there's a real heavy focus on academics. Um, you know, we'll have kids miss stuff, and kids do a ton of stuff outside. Like, you know, I've got one of one of our girls' basketball players, uh, you know, had foreign language courses that she would miss practice for. Uh, if anything, I, I wish there was more. It, it, it's, it's hard to come from what we have in the States to this. And like we, we're, we're about 1,100 kids, so we're not quite big enough that there's enough accountability that, that if a kid's not coming to practice consistently, consistently, you get rid of them. So we have a little bit of a problem with that, you know. And the parents aren't pushing the kids to be there every single day. So it's kind of a flip, you know. Um, they want quality stuff. They want they want quality after school programs and things like that. But they, you know, I've, I've not had that. I've never had a crazy mom come to me or a dad and come to me and complain about playing time or anything like that. Um, Do the parents? You, know, you, you said that like you had a whole bunch of kids from different countries. So are the parents like here with the kids, or are the, are the kids here like is it like a boarding type of situation? No, we're a day school, so they, they all live here. Uh, you got to remember, Qatar's huge. Well, about 80% of the population in Qatar are expats. So huge chunk of the population is either here for the oil and gas industry, which is where you get a lot of your Americans and Europeans and stuff like that. And then you also get quite a few in the service industries and stuff like that that are Southeast Asia, India, Sri Lanka, down that way. So, And it's different with cultures like 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 the uh, – the, the Southeast Asian are so respectful, you know, they wouldn't dare come and complain about playing time or anything like that. So it's, it's, you know, some of it is the culture from the parents too. I have a random question with nothing to do with athletics, but what about the food? Is the food different? Like, is there foods there that you really enjoy that you never had here? I mean, the food here is incredible because of, of all those nationalities. You can get anything you want. Like you can get authentic, you know, Iranian kebabs, or you can get, you know, anything in the in the Middle Eastern range of stuff. And then, like I said, we have a huge Indian population. So if you want great, authentic Indian, you can get it. And then we've got McDonald's, and we had uh, Papa John's yesterday for for lunch. <laughs> so, you know, some of the same stuff. Hmm. Interesting. So I'm, I'm going to ask you a question just based upon – how did you get your wife to sign up to say, hey, we're going to go international? And now you sit here two months after or two years after you've done this and you don't know where you're going next. How are those conversations with your spouse? Obviously, got to be supportive. I get that. But at what point do you just say, OK, this got really, real, really quick? She's a she's way better at it than me. She's about um, half. <laughs> She's, yeah, I mean, she's been incredible. Like right now, I I I, I freak out daily, and what it what I it comes down to is like the job. Daily. I do I do over the job situation because <laughs> it's like this is worried about worried about the midway point in the hiring cycle for international schools, and 
because she works in the States and remote, and she tries to go back at least once a quarter. You know, last time we went back because we, we did connecting flights and trying to save a little bit of money, it was 24 hours from start to stop mm-hmm. to get to our kids' place in Tampa. Um, you know, so if it, it, the idea was we'll try to find something in Europe a little bit closer, you know, eight-hour direct flight, blah, blah, blah. For some reason this year, there just hasn't been many jobs, many AD jobs coming open, you know, over that way. Uh, there's a couple now that I've put in for, but, uh, you know. Well, you can add I, this I, to your I'm, resume. I'm just like, I'm like <laughs> spazzing daily about it. She's like, it's going to be fine. She's like, I make, I make good money that if you need, if we need to have a couple months, you know, if we have to move back to Florida, uh, you know, and it takes you a couple months, we'll be fine. And I'm like. Like, it's not how this works. I'm like, I've got a career that I've built up, but I'm not used to, you know, everything about happens for, at Walmart. Everything happens for a reason. So the right school, the right country is definitely going to come along. I, I believe that for sure. You sound just like her, and I'm I'm wired that I'm, I have a hard time with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Jason. I mean, I'd like to have my plan and have to be know exactly what I'm doing. I mean, the guy that's replacing you, you mentioned you're already having conversations with him. Uh, trying to make sure the well, transition's right. And I feel bad for him because the, another part of the story here is uh, we were part of, there's three ACS schools in the UK and us. We were their first one outside the UK. Um, very prestigious boarding school is like their their crown jewel in London. Um, they sold us two weeks ago to a uh, to a company over here. So we've got another company that owns a couple other schools. It's coming in, taking us over. So, you know, I don't know, I have a clue what it's going to look like, you know, if they're going to try to change structure or how we approach things or, you know, funding and all that. And so I'm, I'm talking to this guy that's coming in. I'm like, I try to keep you in the loop the best I can, but it's not going to be the people who hired you or what you signed up for. So, yeah, you know, that makes it a little tough. So if, if he was to say, you know what, I'm not doing that, what does that leave for you? I mean, would that be an option for you if he were to – or would they I, try to hire somebody totally different? I, I mean, they wanted me to stay, but the, part of the problem was you have to tell so early in the process if you're if you're administration. They wanted to know, you know, we're four weeks into the start of school, and I've got a brand new head, brand new head of school. I got a brand new high school principal, and trying to figure out what's working, what's not. And you know, you're four or six weeks into school, and they're like, "All right, you coming back next year?" <laughs> you're like. <laughs> And uh, yeah. we, we, tried get, we tried to get them to give us, yeah, mm-hmm. we tried to get them to give us to Christmas and they're like, well, we're going to have to post the job anyway and, and interview da, da, da. And then they got this guy and this was like in uh, November, they were wearing me out. I said, finally, I was like, look, if you, you know, if you have to have an answer today, then I'm going to tell you, I'm not coming back. This is not fair for me to tell you that I'm going to be here and then end up leaving. So my da- I remember having this conversation. So it was like October and you're like, ah, you know, and that's really hard, but isn't it also looked like really badly if you break your contract? Like if you do, you're almost yeah. like exiled from international aidenism. Yeah, you actually uh you actually have to pay a penalty usually. Um, oh. like you'll have to re- you'll have to repay the fund the search fees because you know, like ACS hired me through search associates. So I'd have to repay that. Um international contracts usually have what they call a gratuity at the end of the contract. Um which my contract is I get uh, three weeks of pay for every year that I complete at the end of my contract. 
So if you break your contract, you lose that. So that's six weeks worth of pay, you know, that you would potentially lose. And that's, that's pretty standard across international stuff. The no other thing your wife's not freaked out then. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that's, that's another thing too, we didn't talk about is like international packages are nice. Like I was gonna say, you can get room and board covered and stuff, right? Yeah, I have uh yeah. That mortgage they do, you, uh, he has, he doesn't pay for it. <laughs> well, I pay I pay a little bit because they give me a housing allowance. Uh, I have a house. They do they do a housing allowance. Um, your insurance is covered. Uh, you get a round trip flight for you and your dependents back to wherever you're from once a year, on top of what you get paid. And then if you're in the Middle East, these there's no taxes over here, so you know whatever you're getting paid is you get it. So that's a nice thing too. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to argue. You got me sold. I know, I Come know. He's always, I know. He's like, "Why don't you do it?" I'm like, "If Mako wasn't little, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's amazing." I appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. I think this is like really educational for a lot of '80s and just really cool to hear. Um, you know how you go from being in a small town breaking up fights with ex inmates to. <laughs> You're now sitting here talking to us with a gorgeous view of guitar behind you. I think it's just fascinating. And I'm so thankful that you came on today to share your story with us. Um, this was awesome. Well, I appreciate y'all having me. Y'all are doing a cool thing. Uh, Jason, I appreciate it just because I can relate to small town. Um, I also like the, the fact that you know where Tishomingo, Oklahoma is. Uh, <laughs> probably not a place that you'll ever go back, but uh, at least you know where it is on a map. Uh, but I do appreciate you taking the time out of your evening, um, which is our morning, uh, just mm -hmm. being able to have a conversation and, and shed some light on a space that we generally don't think about here. Um, it's just not something that we're, we're privy to all the time. But I, I love the perspective, and I think that's what we need as athletic administrators. It makes us sharpen our tools, and you're no different an athletic administrator than I am. You're just dealing with a different situation than what we exactly. are over here. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again. And to anyone who's listening, if you have any questions or want to reach out to Jason and get in contact with him, just let one of us know and we can we can get him in contact with you. And if you have any uh, additional questions about how to start your international journey or how to break up fights, either way. <laughs> Jason, for the need for security at your sporting events. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening, and thank you to our sponsor, Wall of Fame, who excels at telling your school stories and supports us in telling ours. Check out the description of this episode for a link to receive a discount on all Wall of Fame products. We are looking forward to the next story and hope you are too.